You are listening to Spooky Storytime for Adults, a Prince George Public Library podcast. This podcast will feature true stories of chilling encounters, uncanny occurrences, and spooky hauntings that were sent to us by members of our community. I am Leslie. And I am Laura. Every episode, you will hear some of our favorite true spooky stories told to us in the words of those who experienced it. Today's episode will feature the stories, an unexpected visitor, and a stranger in the night. Hey, Laura. Hi, Leslie. How's it going? It's going well today. How about you? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I do have a, um, a serious question, though. A serious question? Yes. Okay. Yeah, if you don't mind getting serious. How do you feel about haunted houses? How do I feel about them? Yes. Uh, and I guess I mean like like the... Um, like amusement park haunted houses. Oh, I love those. I absolutely love those. Uh, I remember there used to be one in Prince George at the, um, the uh, annual exhibition. Yes. Yes. And uh, my friends and I would go on it. It was a really simple one. It had just a little train car and you would go through on the tracks and, you know, things would jump out at you and stuff like that. Uh, but we went on it over and over and over and over and over again (laughs) to the point where the, the, whoever was running the ride started noticing and would come in and like purposely try to scare us and like throw like severed heads at us. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. That's awesome. And, uh, I went to Potter's in Vancouver. Okay. Uh, and that's a really big, uh, event that they throw down there for haunted houses. Yeah. They have like two different kinds. You wait in line for like two hours. Um, but when you go through, there's, um, actors all the way through, they try to pace you so that you don't go too far ahead and catch up with the people in front of you. Right. So sometimes they like trap you in a room and like, (gasps) and like terrify you in a corner so that they'll have enough time for the next people to go through. It's terrifying. It's thrilling. There's all these twists and turns. It's themed. Uh, big recommend if anyone's down in Vancouver and gets a chance to do that. And maybe not this year, but, um, in the future. And it's called Potter's. Uh, Potter's, I think. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I haven't even heard of that. It's wonderful. Yeah. And they have huge animatronics and like they, they go all out. It's, oh my it's lovely to see. That's uh, awesome. How about you? Do you like haunted houses? I think that I do like haunted houses. Um, I think? like, <laughs> I love Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that means that I love haunted houses. And whenever I go to haunted houses, I always come away with really good stories. Mm. But at the same time, I'm not super cool while I'm in a haunted house. <laughs> That's okay. Like I'm not going to impress anybody. Um, one in particular I'm thinking of, this was also in Vancouver. I don't think it was Potter's though. And we just found it randomly one night. We were flying out somewhere else the next morning. So we were trying to find something to do. We went to a haunted house and there was like a group of six of us. And the bravest of us, my friend Dave, went first. And then I was meant to go second. Like, I think we were putting the scaredy cats in the middle and the bravest at the ends. Like that was the whole point of it. Um, but I just clung to Dave the whole time. (laughs) And then once we got separated and I actually froze and like Dave was like way ahead. And I just like stood there freezing with five little terrified people holding onto me in our train and all of us just yelling, David, David, (laughs) come back for us. (laughs) So, 
That's like a classic horror movie when like someone goes ahead and everyone else is frozen behind them. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So, um, yeah, needless to say, he had to come back for us. But did you enjoy it? Yes. Did you enjoy being terrified? Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, speaking of haunted houses, uh, we have some spooky stories today. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like um, to go first? I do want to go first. All right. My story is titled An Unexpected Visitor. This story takes place in Honduras in 2005 or 2006. Before I begin, I should point out that I've never been inclined to believe in fantastical stories. When it comes to supernatural matters, it's safe to say I'm firmly in the category of skeptics. That fact, if anything, should make what I'm about to tell you even scarier. Because the truth is, I wish I hadn't experienced what I did. And even now, I desperately cling to the hope that there's a logical explanation for what I saw. But alas, I am unable to forget, and the images I now recount remain etched in my memory like a wound that never fully heals. And reminds me that despite the alluring comfort of science, there are things our rational minds might never comprehend. I was visiting my wife's family in El Parezo, a small town located on Honduras's southeastern frontier with Nicaragua, a part of the world that is both lush and mountainous with a varied vegetation. Those unfamiliar with this land might be surprised to learn it has an abundance of pine trees, and in its higher parts, where low-hanging clouds touch the earth and cover everything with an impenetrable mist, There are deep, wide fields where coffee grows under the shadow of sweet-scented banana and mango groves. It is a place of tremendous beauty that evokes tranquility and can easily ensnare outsiders with the temptation to leave their mundane concerns behind and instead embrace a simpler life where the accrual of possessions and accolades matter less than the satisfaction that comes from drinking an afternoon coffee produced by the fruit of plants, situated only a few meters away while in the company of friends and loved ones. The place is magical, and like all such places, its inhabitants, particularly those who descend from families that have lived there for multiple generations, are privy to a litany of fantastical stories that they are loath to share with strangers, but well-known and believed by everyone already familiar with them. One night, ostensibly no different than all others before it, I fell asleep in a guest bedroom of my in-law's house with my wife alongside me. The room we were in had no windows. Once the lights were off, darkness seemed to consume everything within it. The only light that did exist emanated weakly from the crack underneath a door leading into the atrium of the house where the family often received visitors. A sad, lonely street lamp was situated just outside the front door. The light particles radiating from it were faint and could only cover so much ground before entropy took over and the edges of shadows and darkness began to form. Even so, some stray light particles managed to survive the journey and eventually worked their way underneath the front door into the atrium and then further into the space below my bedroom door, just enough to reveal all the dust permeating the inside air. At some very late or early hour, I awoke, feeling a presence in our room. Another light, much brighter, beamed from the corner opposite where I slept. When I turned to what should have been the darkest portion of the room, I saw a figure staring at me intently, an apparition, a person, some sort of being that appeared both human-like 
and unfamiliar at the same time. I could best describe it as a light-skinned, prepubescent child, the gender difficult to discern, with long, flowing, curly hair and an expressionless face that evoked both feelings of tenderness and terror, especially because it was clearly focusing its eyes on me, never blinking. Filled with fear, I couldn't move for what felt like 20 or 30 seconds, but eventually I recovered my senses and allowed my instincts to take over. I extended my hand out to the door handle, which was within easy reach of the bed, but try as I might, I could not grasp it. Instead, I frantically scratched the door and made such noise that eventually I awoke my wife, who, upon seeing me in such a state, asked what was wrong. I told her that I needed to open the door because there was a person, and she, thinking I was still caught in some dream, reassured me kindly that no one was outside. To this, I desperately responded that the person I referred to was present in the room with us and that we needed to escape immediately. I turned around quickly to show her where the spirit stood, but found it empty and completely dark. My heart, which I'd been racing only a few moments earlier, suddenly calmed back down, and I was left lying there in bed, covered in a cold sweat, trying to make sense of what had just happened. Had it all been a dream? A trick of my imagination. Certainly I had heard of lucid dreams and thought I had experienced some earlier in my life, but nothing had ever felt this intense, this real. What I saw was a supernatural phenomenon, layered on top of actual reality. Perhaps it was a hallucination? But why would I see such things? Like I mentioned previously, I'm not one inclined to think about ghosts or angels or magical spirits of any kind. In fact, I don't ever recall having a dream of this nature before or since. As I've stated, I am a devotee of science. Given the option of choosing between a supernatural or a rational explanation, I will always choose the latter. And so, I did. I decided that it was all a dream, and that my mind had deceived me into seeing things that were not there. But I must admit that I've never been fully convinced and wonder whether my conclusion stemmed more from a reluctance to accept the more frightful truth rather than from a deep abiding faith in material science. Certainly my wife and in-laws are more open to non-scientific explanations, while reassuring me that my description of the ghostly figure was consistent with that of heavenly angels, and therefore concluding that I had in fact observed my guardian angel, they too hedged their bets and thought it prudent the following morning to douse the walls of the room where we slept with holy water, conveniently handy in that household, and recite some particular prayers from the holy scriptures. And that was that. It was either a dream or an angel— or perhaps a demon. Your explanation is as good as anyone's. What matters is that I had the experience, felt the terror, and lack of any definitive explanation. All I know is that now, whenever I awaken from a deep sleep at night, I take a deep breath and hope that when I turn from bed and look across the room, that I not find myself once again face to face with the glowing figure that haunted me in that night in Honduras, so many years ago. Wow. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> what is the story you're going to tell me? The story I'm going to tell you is A Stranger in the Night. This story begins on a very late autumn night. 
I was living in Vancouver, attending the University of British Columbia. UBC campus is located in Vancouver at the westernmost tip of the Point Grey Peninsula. It has forests on three sides and the Pacific Ocean on the fourth side. It is a large campus, almost 400 hectares, and is essentially its own isolated community. While you can drive there, parking and roads are limited, and most of the design is dedicated to pedestrians and cyclists. I was living in dorms on the UBC campus and spending most of my nights studying at the library. During midterms and exams, the library typically extends its hours so that students can spend their waking hours studying and burning that midnight oil. This particular evening, I had been studying alone and it was almost time for the library to close. So I packed up my gear, slung my bag over my shoulder and exited the building. I walked into a damp and thick, lonely fog. It was late, probably almost midnight, and the chill from the ocean created a different kind of cold than I had grown up with. And although fog was common, this one made it very difficult to see. Despite the fact that it was midterms, I had been one of the only students leaving the library at this time, so when I started my walk home, I was quite alone. It was late, dark, chilly, foggy, and I was using one of the pedestrians' only roadways, so there were no cars or residences nearby. The only witnesses to my passing were the dark and empty windows of silent offices and lecture halls. It was only a 15-minute walk to my dorm, so I expect to, expected to make it there without incident, when up ahead I saw a figure appear in the fog. They were ahead of me, walking in the same direction I was going, except they were moving at a much slower pace than I was, and I found myself catching up to them rather quickly. They were dressed all in white and in long, flowing clothing, including a loose shawl or poncho and an ankle-length white skirt. Their hair was long, loose, and dark, and it swayed as they moved at a gentle, gliding pace. Immediately, I felt a tingle of apprehension. It wasn't just the strange way they were walking, as if they had nowhere to be at midnight on a weeknight, but it also took me a moment to realize that they carried nothing with them. They had no backpack or bag, and their arms hung loosely at their side. There was nothing to indicate that this was another student on their way home from a late night of studying. As I got even closer, I realized something else, something that made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. The figure was singing. It was a low, gentle song, something loose and unstructured, and nothing I recognized at all. Electric adrenaline coursed through me as my heart pounded and I got closer and closer to them. I was finally even with them on the walkway, and considering that I was the only other person around, I would have expected the figure to have heard me coming, or at the very least notice me as I suddenly appeared on their left. But they did not react. Now that I was level with them, I glanced over, hoping to make eye contact or at least see a pair of headphones to explain the singing 
or their ignorance of me. Instead, I could only see long, dark hair framing their face so that I was unable to see them clearly. I forced myself to stay calm and rational, and I hypothesized the following theories. One, this was a prank or hazing ritual put on by a student theater group. Two, this was someone enjoying some recreational chemicals. Three, this was a student having a mental breakdown. I battled several internal instincts before I plucked up my courage and asked, Excuse me, but are you okay? However, the fear in my throat made my voice thin and reedy. The figure remained as they were, gliding and singing. I cleared my throat and tried again. Are you okay? Do you need help? But the figure did not change. It was like I wasn't even there. I was confused and growing more frightened by the second. As we approached the corner where I was supposed to turn, I cut behind the apparition who continued just as I found them and I scurried home to my dorm room. To this day, when I tell this story, my listeners offer up all of the explanations that I theorized myself and we all have a good chuckle. But I have often struggled to convey to them what it was like, how it really felt to be alone in the fog at night, trying desperately to communicate with an unsettling figure that for some reason can't see or hear you. And it begs the question, which one of us is actually here? Very well done. Thank you. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, thank you for, for listening. Thank you for joining us on this shadowy Friday as we prepare for Halloween. We will have more stories for you to listen to next Friday in a brand new episode of Spooky Storytime for Adults. You may have listened to these stories and laughed or shivered, or maybe you felt as though you were being watched by an unseen presence. But rest easy in the knowledge that everything you just heard happened to someone else. So how could it happen to you? But who knows? Maybe next time we meet, you'll have a spooky story of your own to tell.